quite a challenge coming to speak after just that sense of God speaking to us already and I think it's very important that we don't lose <coughs> what's been said. Um, I'm still kind of shaking with what Helen said. I just think that was just such a blessing. It's a real blessing. Should we pray? <coughs> Father, we want to thank you for everything that you've already said to us this morning. For the privilege that we've had of being able to tell you how wonderful you are. Would you unfold your heart to us, Father, this morning? Would you shape us by the word of God? Would you energize us by the power of your Holy Spirit? And would you equip us, Father, for the work? Amen. I'm going to move that because it's going to go flying. <clears throat> Can I put it in the pocket? That'd be allowed. Okay. Okay, well, we've finished our um, series on Genesis, as you can hear. Um, Julie will confirm this is the first time I've spoken for a few, a while. So it's a blessing <laughs> for those around me. Um, but we come to the end of the series on Genesis, and we've had like a one-week filler. And I chatted to Steve, and um, he said to me, kind of, what's on your heart? I said, well, I'd really like to share on the whole subject of wisdom. It's something that I've been seeking to uh, read about and study and try, ha-ha, to apply over the last 18, 20 months or so. Um, so I'd just like to share with you some of the things that um, I sense God's been saying to me, and hopefully there'll be some words of encouragement there for you too. There's three things I want to look at mainly. Uh, what is wisdom? Who is the source of wisdom? And how can we apply wisdom to our life? What is wisdom? Well, I just have this definition, and I'll try and say it slowly twice for those who are writing, but it, isn't, it is on the website notes. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Do that again. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. So, for me, that's one take on, on what wisdom is. But who is the source of wisdom? Let's get right to the crux of it. Who is the source of wisdom? I believe the source of wisdom is our Trinitarian God, the God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wisdom is part of God's very essence. It's one of the utterly complete facets of God's character, the many millions of utterly complete facets of God's character. True wisdom, I believe, in its, in its fullness can only be found in our God, not in man, but in our God, because man has limited knowledge, man has limited power, man has limited foresight, man certainly has limited strength, but God does not. He is the fullness of all that fills all in all. God speaks to Job in Job 38, 36, and he said, Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who is it who has given wisdom. I believe it is God, the God of this book, the God of the Bible. 
But it's not just about us getting wisdom uh, to help us make decisions with our lives. Oh, I need a bit of wisdom for this, a bit of wisdom for that. It's about recognizing God's supremacy over all things. He is the Lord of this world. He is the king and the ruler over all. He is the source of all wisdom. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, it says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Few of us struggle with that one, I think. (laughs) But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. As we say in the song, it's all about you, Jesus. He is our source, not clever thoughts. Now we need to break it up a bit, it's getting a bit heavy. So after three, join with me. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. My wife. Happy birthday, dear Julia. My wife, happy birthday to you. Hooray. I'm, it's tomorrow. I'm sorry we didn't have the words on the overhead if you're new. I do apologize. It's one of the weaknesses of charismatic churches. We get excited. But here's a question. What shall I buy her? Now, I'm not going to do this if you're a visitor. I won't do this, so please don't be frightened. But if I asked a visitor what would they like to buy Julia for her birthday, what would they say? Just throw a few ideas out. We don't know. Flowers, chocolate chocolates, perfume, big, big, co- big coat, yeah, warm coat. <laughs> the thing is, it's hard to know what she wants if you don't know her. Now, I know what she wants. I've got a list on my phone. (coughs) Because whenever we're walking or whether we're out, she might say to me, oh, I really like that gold medallion. So I quickly write it down on my list. So I've got this incredible list, including, including the John on Mongolian throat singing, which I could probably do extremely well today. Um, but the way we get to know what somebody wants is by being in relationship with them. Now, I need a volunteer, so Steve, will you come and join me? Now, um, I've got a quiz question, okay? Just a show of hands. If Steve had a choice of two things, which would he choose? One is Kit Kat, and the other is fig rolls. How many people think Steve would like a Kit Kat? How many people think Steve would like a fig roll? Why do we know that? Because we love the guy, so you can sit down. Now he's probably expecting a tube of fig rolls now, isn't he? Sorry? Did you? Did you? Well, here's a biblical, proce- here's a biblical principle. If you sow, you reap. Mm-hmm. 
Very important, you're in need. If you sow, you reap. Who wants the Kit Kat? Oh, can you take that up to Peggy at the very back, Steve? Okay. But the thing is, we've all got to know Steve over the years, and we know that's what he likes. And I believe it's also it's the same, in a sense, with God. That if we want to grow in wisdom, if we want to grow in knowing what God is saying to us, what we sense he's saying to us, then we develop our relationship with him. That means we spend time in his word, this rather excellent book here. We fellowship with him. We worship him on our own and together. We listen to his Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't a list of do's and don'ts, right? I better go home and read my Bible or I get into trouble because that's what I should do. And I feel bad because I didn't read a psalm yesterday. It's not about law because when you're in relationship with someone, because you want to be with them, you're with them. It's good days and bad days, but it's about relationship, and it's like that with God. He wants us to de- develop a relationship with him and to spend time with him. It's one for the theologians, C.H. Spurgeon. He once said this, There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of the divinity. Say that again. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation, the contemplation of the divinity. We can think on him. We can chew over his word, the way I'm chewing these pasties. We can dig into the word. We can search him out. We can use quality Christian literature. John Piper, Tozer. Oswald Chambers, Andrew Wilson, these kind of people who have insights, we can look and it can help develop our understanding of who this God is. And just a little postscript to that, we need to be so wary of what I think is called post-evangelicalism. Stop me if I get this wrong, Barry. But, (laughs) But it's something that's crept in over the last few years where we can start shaping our view of God by the world that we're in and the circumstances around us. Very dangerous, very dangerous. This shapes what we see, this shapes what we believe. That's not dissing stuff that happens because this word explains a lot. But don't allow circumstances, feelings, what you see to shape your theology. Allow the word of God to shape your theology. That is extremely Important. Our daughter showed me some Bible notes that she does regularly. And she said, you know what? It's just so watered down. It's kind of dumbed down. And I looked at it, and it was very much this. You know, you see a kitten on the floor, and the kitten's looking sad, and Jesus understands when a kitten's sad. And I'm thinking, well, I get the heart of that, because Jesus does care, but he cares about us. Let the word shape us not necessarily sentimentality. In Job 28, it's a really good book, Job, actually. Job is is searching for wisdom, uh, speaks about searching for wisdom, and he talks about miners who go down miners and quarriers who are looking for these jewels and these gems deep in, 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 in the mountains. And he said it's like that, trying to get the wisdom of God And then by about verse 23, just in complete exasperation, he says, God understands the way to wisdom, and he knows its path, 
For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God sees it all. I just see that. How does Job finish the chapter? Job 28, 28. He said, it says, And God said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. So here's some good news. God wants to reveal wisdom to us. We've heard it from so many folk this morning, how God wants to draw near to us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic? Now, in the Garden of Eden, God said, you can eat from that, you can eat from that, but you're not allowed to eat from that. And as we know, man disobeyed. There were things that were forbidden, but God, in his love, has so much wisdom, so much understanding that he wants to share with us. It's okay to share with us. It's not wrong to go seeking and to go searching for wisdom. Just go looking in the right place. Many years ago, I went down the route of yoga and Buddhism, trying to find wisdom. And you just end up with a headache. (laughs) And uh, not very nice. But we go to the source, our Lord Jesus. Proverbs 3, 18 to 19. It says this, Wisdom is like a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold fast to her are blessed. For the mouth of the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes understanding and knowledge. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He wants to share with us wisdom. So that's looking at what is wisdom and who is the source of wisdom. They're going to kind of run into each other. The third one, how do I apply wisdom to my life? Well, I'd like us to turn to Proverbs 8, please. Verses 1 to 3. At one of my previous churches, one of our pastors spoke on this over 30 years ago. And um, I've drawn one, one or two of his points I'm drawing out, and plus some other bits as well. But it's become a real shaping scripture for my life. <clears throat> um, you know this happens sometimes, you hear a word, it becomes a shaping scripture in your life. Remember Sam Morris was here a year ago, gave those three headings, you know, look for God, not just the good etc. Goodness, I keep remembering them during the week, but I've forgotten them all now. Be careful who you listen to, that's right, and persevere. I believe those are words for us as a church, but I take those on personally, and probably not more than two or three weeks go by when I don't go back and look at that again, saying, Father, am I applying that to my life? But this has very much been a shaping scripture for me, so I'm sharing my heart, not something that I've just dug up to fill in an empty Sunday. Just three verses. Proverbs, three, Proverbs 8, 1 to 3. Does not wisdom call? 
does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gate, in the, t- in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. So wisdom is crying out, which begs the question, am I listening? But wisdom is crying out. Where does wisdom cry out? Wisdom cries out from the heights. I believe at a time of success, when things are going well, wisdom can cry out. Now, allowing for all the day-to-day stuff, things are going pretty well at Beacon, aren't they? I'm encouraged. Numerical growth, yes, but also individual growth, seeing people grow. And just in our worship, the fact that Jesus is becoming more and more central. Just it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. To me, that's growth. That, to me, that's success. That's going well. But even in those times, wisdom will cry out. We heard about it earlier. We're preparing for the future. We're not just going to sit here waiting for it to come. I believe that's wisdom. God will speak in wisdom at a point of success. Now, in the Old Testament, height was quite important. God spoke on Mount Sinai. That was quite high. In the New Testament, Jesus preached the sermon in the valley. No? Joe, am I preaching wrong? He preached the sermon on the mount. Okay, so we don't build big, heavy theology. Oh, God only speaks from mountains. But you can see a bit of a theme here. In Sinai, God gave the law, not because he wanted to have a go at people, because he wanted to create a way whereby people could still get to him and come to him. Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, and I was reading it again this week. Some pretty scary stuff in there, actually. Pretty scary stuff. Jesus was pretty frank. But on the heights, so where does wisdom cry out? Wisdom can cry out when God speaks to his people. Look at the accounts in Exodus. Look at what Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount. This is wisdom. This is our God speaking. This is our Jesus speaking. And the inference from the end of Matthew 5 is that he was speaking to his disciples, not just the people. He was speaking wisdom to his disciples. Wisdom cries out on the heights. Wisdom also cries out where the roads meet, says in in one translation, or cries out at the crossroads. I've always applied this as when I have to make decisions in my life, important decisions in my life. Many years ago, um, when I left Bible school, full of faith and power and unemployed, (laughs) and um, seeking work to a young family, and I just sensed whatever that means, I just sensed God speak to me saying, you will have a job within a year. I said, okay, Lord, I'll have a job within a year. About six weeks before the year was up, I was offered two jobs on the same day. And I had a choice between the two jobs. One was near home, uh, with good money. The other wasn't quite so near home, outside of my comfort zone. And my predecessor had actually been murdered by one of the clients that I would be working with. So, kind of which would you choose? And I met up with one of the elders from the church, and I said, Mike, 
I've got this choice. I can have this or this. I prayed about it, and I believe that God wanted me to take the grotty one. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And that's what I did. I made the decision after sharing it with the elder, and obviously June and I talked about it and so forth, made that decision, and I took that job. And after I took that job, just a little aside, I sensed God speak to me out of the story of Abraham and Lot, and he said, you could have had the good, but because you've left that, now everywhere that you put your foot is going to be yours. And I'm still waiting for, for, for the fulfillment of that. I can't get excited because my voice won't catch up. And I started the job three days before the year was up. But I believe that wisdom cried out. Many of us have to make decisions about work, retirement plan, moving. What do we do? Uh, how do we support elderly folk with choices to make? I've done that professionally for many years. We need wisdom, don't we? Because our emotions come in very quickly. And my emotions sometimes aren't always that helpful when they come in. So thirdly, where else does wisdom cry out? Well, it cries out, <clears throat> it says in here, at the city gates. And it ties in so well with what I've just said, because at the city gates, that's where the elders and the leaders of the city used to sit. You see, I don't believe that I can go and sit in my shed with my Bible, Miles Wood Chambers, and get seven or eight hours of straight wisdom from God. Truth, wisdom, 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 wisdom. Just banging it all out. I don't believe you can do that on your own, in that sense. Hear me carefully. We had a Christian friend many years ago. He used to sit down every Saturday morning with a big book, and he used to just start writing everything that God was saying. He's saying this, and he's saying this, and he's saying this. And then he would come to me and say, Oh, Julian said that, God said he's going to sweep through Guildford like a mighty river of blood and, and, and we're, you know, we're going to see this and we're going to see that. And I said, mate, who do you bounce this off? Have you, have you talked to the church leaders about this? Oh, no, they don't understand. They're not interested. Well, if you sense it's God, don't you think it's worth submitting it? And he didn't. Sad to say, he slipped away from the church and ended up with quite a weird group which is really sad. And the danger is, and I know this from bitter experiences, that I in the past have become so spiritually intense, I'm absolutely clear that I've got the word, but actually I've needed to submit that word because that way I'll grow. And it's really tough because it's humbling. There's no place, I say this every time I stand up, there's no place in the church for independence. We need one another. What did Helen say this morning? I come here and I can say nothing and I can just be, but I'm in family. And that is so true. Just be. Be family. Don't be independent. Oh, Steve's upset me, so I'm not coming for six weeks because God speaks to me on my own. Well, he does. But guarantee you will go off on a very dodgy road without meaning to. A couple of weeks ago, we had Paul Johnson here. If you have one of these internet web things, do listen to the download of it again. Excellent. He spoke about Joseph and Joseph interpreting dreams. And he talked about interpreting dreams truthfully and with sobriety. That's a very long word for someone with dyslexia like me. But soberly, i.e. not sloshed, I guess that means. 
And uh, don't look at me like that, David. <laughs> but to look at things soberly. Again, if I can sense God saying something to me, I can get quite excited. But sometimes I need to look at it soberly and weigh it against the truth of the word of God. Now, Paul did something very dangerous. He encouraged us to submit our dreams to the wise counsel of leaders. And he said that can be part of God's provision for us. That's quite scary. I wonder how many of us wrote that in our diaries and have since phoned up Steve, David and John and said, can I come and speak to you about my dream? Can I speak to you about what's on my heart? Can I just bounce off this, this off you? Just check whether it's God. I'm sort of nuzzling towards it. I can't say, yeah, I've done it. Nah, 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 nah. Just saying, Steve, can I come and see you, mate? Can I just throw a few things? Can I take the risk of saying, my heart's to do this, the risk that you might say, I don't think it is? It's part of growing up, isn't it? It's scary, but God loves it. Why does God love it? Because I have to die a bit more. Less of Julian and more of Jesus. It says, this isn't in the notes, but in Isaiah 64... Verse 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. Hallelujah. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. It's so important that Julian doesn't get all excited about something and go off and walk away from being moulded on the potter's wheel. He fathers us. What do fathers do? They love the kids so much, they don't let them run in the road. (laughs) Another part of God speaking at the gate. I only saw this very recently. I was looking at Matthew Henry's commentary, which you can find on your Gateway Bible app, which is just a fantastic tool. And he talked about the marketplace being by the the gate of the old cities. I'd never seen this before. And there was an encouragement here to hear God through one another in the hustle and bustle of being together. And just sharing a bit of my heart, I found it quite difficult over the last 18 months being in groups of people. I found it quite difficult being with, with other people. It's found it quite tough. I feel quite vulnerable for all sorts of funny reasons. But the thing is, when I saw this, I, I realized that actually God wants us to be together to be a part of one another, because we're family, but also that's where we can hear God speak. Not just me in my shed having a great time, threat, people getting threatened because I spend hours seeking God, but actually time with my brother and sisters, and we can hear God. There are people in this room, very room, who do not know that they have been God's tool to speak very clearly into my life and Julia's life. Malcolm there, his lovely wife Marge, not here. They popped over for breakfast a few weeks ago. They have no idea about this. Just in conversation, we were chatting about nothing nicely, and Marge said a few things, and it was just like the Holy Spirit just got a needle and went, there's some truth for you, son. Marge has no idea about that. And it's been really helpful. Again, it started to shape decisions and so forth that I've made um, recently. So being with one another 
we can actually pick up a sense of God speaking as well. If we have no fellowship, I believe we become one-dimensional, and that could be quite unhelpful. But that's not a guilt trip that you must go to every meeting. As I said before, it's about relationship. So just winding this all up. We need to seek the source of all wisdom. That's our Jesus. Our wonderful Jesus. We can see, when we look at Jesus, how he modelled a relationship with his father and how that gave him such wisdom in the decisions that he had to make. We can ask God for wisdom. We can dig in the word of God. We can dig around in, in helpful commentaries and so forth. My whole journey only started in reading decent commentaries about three months, three years, three or four years ago when a worship leader from City Church said to me, a good worship leader has sound theology. I thought, well, I thought it was all about you know, loving Jesus and speaking in tongues and getting that lovely E minor over B minor moment when everyone gets all elated. Good theology, he said. And he introduced me to John Piper, and it's just opened my eyes to a whole raft of the character of God, which I knew nothing about. It's been a really exciting journey. Would we take the risk of sharing our dreams and our visions with the guys God has put over us to lead us? <clears throat> because they want to father us and love us and encourage us, not beat us down and tell us no. <clears throat> They're on our side. If you feel isolated, you know we can trust God to gently bring us back, bring us back into the body, this place which is a place of safety. It can be humbling to do that. But Jesus said, he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So let's seek wisdom. Let's seek wisdom, but let's seek the giver, not the gift. I know often people say that. We want to seek Jesus for who he is, not just, I must have the answer to this, I must have the answer to that. Three more shaping things that I found so helpful this year, which David shared with us. He said these three things. He said, seeing God as Father makes him unbelievable unbelievably accessible. I have thrilled by just reading that and trying to kick it around in my mind over the last few months. He then said, knowing God as Father gives an inclination to intimacy. Wow. Knowing God as Father gives an inclination to intimacy. And thirdly, knowing God as Father settles the issue kind of once and for all of knowing who I am. Knowing my identity, because our identity is in Jesus. Not our rubbish schooling, or our bad earthly father, or a rubbish job, or a poor pension plan. Our identity is rooted, not in me playing the keyboard, it's, it's rooted in who Jesus Christ is. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to leave the rest. The 1 Corinthians 1.15 says this, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
Would you like to stand? Please. There's some questions and other resources I've put in the notes on the website. But Father, we just want to thank you so much <clears throat> for who you are, that you are the source of everything. Jesus, we want to thank you that you are the magnificent Savior. You are high and lifted up. You fill all in all. You are God and you are good. Father, as we seek wisdom, Lord, as a church, as we make decisions about the future with the people you're bringing in, the challenges that are going to face us, Lord Jesus, we say, give us wisdom, Lord, that we can wisely steward what you have given us in our individual lives, in our relationships. Lord, give us grace that we can walk in your way. And Lord Jesus, we just pray so much that your name would become more famous and that men and women and young people and children would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour and be added to your church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.